Welcome to Into the Wormhole. I'm Larissa Maestro, and I'm here with my number one. Lauren Lowen. Yay! Uh, so uh, this is an interesting episode because, uh, you know, we're in the middle of an international pandemic. So uh, Lauren and I were supposed to have a date to go to the We Own This Town studios and record um, our reaction to uh, the first five episodes of Star Trek Picard, but we're all in sort of a self-quarantine situation right now. So we decided to instead do this over subspace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you think we would be, ah, you think we'd be talking about the tornadoes that hit Nashville and that would be our big news. Like, Oh, Oh we're behind because all these tornadoes came smashing way too close to our house. But no, we've kind of, I wouldn't say forgotten, but that's been overshadowed by now our yeah. Social distancing. So fun. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Everything's crazy. I wish it was Star Trek times because then we could all run to the holodeck and just yeah, have fun while right? while we, while we, we wait this just, out. But no, we could all go to the beach or something. Yeah, we could go to Riza. Maybe. Yeah, we could go to that big mud pit that Alexander and Luxana go to. Oh my! La- what is it? Laughing hour? Ha! <laughs> ha! <laughs> the higher, the fewer. Uh, one of the gems, really. Of <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's peak TNG right there. <laughs> Alexander always makes his way into our podcast. Damn you, Alexander. Like we're going to talk about Alexander in every single episode. <laughs> but yeah, the real the real point of this was uh, because there are 10 episodes of Picard total. So we wanted to split this up and do a reaction to the first five. And then we'll do another episode where we do a reaction to the second five episodes. To be fair, Lauren is very good and much better than I am and stopped watching after episode five because we decided that we we're going to talk about it and I could not help myself and I kept watching but I promise that I'm not going to reveal anything damn you, to you. Larissa if you I'm spoil sorry. anything I promise I won't come over subspace I guarantee <laughs> get you I guarantee I guarantee I won't but yes, I, I legitimately stopped because I just knew. Because you're a good person. Well, I just wanted to preserve my sense of, of whimsy and confusion. And I knew I wasn't going to do that if I went forward in the episodes and was like, well, I yeah. have that answer. So that's it. So by the time you guys actually watch this, we're guessing a lot of people have actually seen it. Do not listen to this if you haven't seen it. You think? Go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just start with like the big question. Like, would you recommend it? Let's say someone's like, well, I want to watch it, but I need to get CBS All Access. Is it worth it to get CBS All Access for just Picard? I think so. The cool thing about this Star Trek in particular is that other than the fact that it's about Picard, there are no other expectations. We know only one thing, and that's we're continuing Picard's story. It's more just like exciting to see what happens to these characters and not so much like that's not real Trek or that's real Trek or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, I think, yeah. And I think the minute you know that Patrick Stewart is back as Picard, to some degree, that kind of gives it some street cred, right? You're just like, oh, well, Patrick Stewart's back. Okay, I'm in. Oh, yeah. 100%. And and for the record, we were talking about this before we hit record. I actually haven't seen Discovery because when it came out, I had a baby. So I really wasn't watching any <laughs> it was a TV. a little bit more important than watching television. <laughs> so at the time, it was like, I'm not watching any TV and I'm definitely not buying CBS All Access, like just another thing for me to ignore and spend money on. But Larissa, you have. So uh, when yeah. I say just Picard, I'm kind of forgetting that we have Discovery also on CBS All Access. And I'm short kind of- tracks. And I mean, there are... There's stuff on there. I mean, really, Star Trek is the only reason I got it. I'm not trying to sell you CBS All Access. I do also have a lot of friends that are waiting to watch any Picard, and they're just going to like get the free trial and watch it all in one day. <laughs> uh, we call that Ferengi style. But if you loved TNG, if you loved Voyager, you're probably going to really enjoy Picard. I've kind of stayed away. My, my attitude, first of all, has been I'm along for the ride. It's kind of we haven't had this crew for a while Obviously, everything, the the production value, the way we do TV is so different that I didn't have any high expectations other than just 
again, I just want to see what's going on. And I, I was intrigued. Um, but I do know I can kind of take it or leave it at the end of the day. Um, and as we'll talk about, there are definitely some incidents already. They have thrown us fans where it's a little much. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of those things where I look forward to showing my son TNG in the future. Am I going to rush to show him Picard? I don't know yet, but I know yeah. there's some fans that can't do that the way I can. That it's like once the show is out there and presented to them, it is canon, it happened, and it's kind of stressful for them. Yeah, I I guess I haven't seen as much of that, mostly because I think I've been avoiding like threads and Star Trek shit posting and, and stuff because like I kind of wanted to just form my own opinion about it. And, you know, everybody has their own relationship with the fandom and like mine is just like just like enjoy it like it's this it's this special thing and I'm not I'm not ever going to take it too seriously like at least at least our fans I feel like are not like Star Wars fans like Star Wars fans are just like everything is black or white you know what I mean like it was terrible or it was the best thing ever they fight about it and there's so many bros that are like mad about Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams or whatever and I'm just like I don't care I just want to hang out with my friends (laughs) I just want to see what my friends have been doing for the past like 20 years. You know, I just want to catch up. Like it's been a while. I do like that baby Yoda. I love baby. And yes, I know it really isn't baby Yoda, but they sanctioned that name. So the child. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, (laughs) it's, I was like, take my money. How can people not call it? (laughs) How can people not call it baby Yoda? Just take take my money and give me more. So yeah. (laughs) yeah, exactly. If you didn't know already, Star Wars fans, Baby Yoda is the future of your franchise. (laughs) (laughs) The children are our future. (laughs) Well, so what's the first thing that you want to talk about? My brain wants me to say, let's talk about not so much the trailer, but just like what you thought after the first episode. Were you satisfied? Did the trailer throw you kind of a twist that you didn't see coming like what were where were you at that point I mean I watched the trailer probably too many times and the trailer gives you a lot of information that you don't get in the first episode like they show you that seven of nine is coming back she's not in the first episode so you know it's going to happen but I think I was really excited to watch it and then after it was over I was satisfied in the way that like I was glad that it existed, but I wasn't quite sure if I loved it. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. And then I watched it a second time and I felt better about it after I watched it a second time. And I think that's because it was uh, such a stark difference in tone from TNG. Yeah. And I know that they were doing that on purpose. And I also wasn't expecting it to feel like TNG because television has changed so much since then so I knew that this was gonna instead of being small arcs within episodes I knew it was gonna be more like a movie where there's a long arc throughout the entire series or the entire season I knew to probably expect it to be modernized in those ways and and also knowing like the people that were involved in writing it and stuff were gonna want those things and also knowing that Patrick Stewart wanted something different than TNG but it took me a minute to like reset and get used to the new pacing and used to the new tone of, of the series. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was along for the ride because not that I wanted to say I had no or low expectations. Cause that's not true. I just knew it was going to be different. And honestly, the, tra- the trailer is a lot of quick cuts. Um, oh, yeah. You know, people spent weeks, if not months, analyzing every nanosecond and every blur. Oh my God! And did they and I kind of was like, uh, "Don't worry about that. I'm just gonna watch it. I'm just gonna watch it. What a novel idea!" I mean, I mm. I, I couldn't avoid some things. You know, I knew that Brent Spiner was coming back. I think the first time I really got excited with the trailer mode was uh, when you sent me the tweet of Hugh coming back. Yeah. I was, I was very intrigued and I don't know why, but when I found out Hugh was coming back, I was super excited because I thought Hugh was a wonderful volleyball that the nineties had like set. And now it was 2020s job to spike that damn ball. Yeah. And you're totally I was right. just like, 
And I was like, okay, like that's something really interesting. And everything else had intrigued me, obviously, but that was the first time I remember getting like kind of giddy over it. Mm -hmm. So first episode, I was kind of, I would, same thing. I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't like, that was the most amazing thing. And that's okay for me because honestly, it's just a weird quirk. Any show that's on, I generally don't like the first episode. I'm kind of waiting Mm -hmm. to like get into the thick of it. Yeah. So that's just a quirk with me. It could be the best show in the world, but I generally, even now when I restart all my Star Trek franchises, I actually usually skip the first one, which is horrible. Yeah. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I'm kind of, (laughs) I don't think this is opposite by any means, but like I cried several times during the first episode and I still was like, I don't know if I love it because like that's the kind of person I am. Like immediately, like the top of the episode when they opened with blue skies, I was like, you assholes, here we go. That's the letters from Nemesis and Jameson and blue skies at the wedding. And I'm like already like weeping and Dan's like, help me now. I have to admit, I missed that until I read a review. Uh, episode one was the only one I went online to read uh, reviews about. And I totally missed that it was Blue Skies. Yeah. Because I think people will forgive me if I say I don't spend a lot of my free time watching the the feel-good movie that Star Trek Nemesis is. Oh, my God. Nemesis is bad. <laughs> so, it's a bad movie. But, I mean, also, like, you know, to your credit as well, like, I'm a musician, so I was... True. I was going to notice that. I I know that song. I knew that song before it was in Nemesis. You know, it's a jazz standard. Oh, and I did too. I just yeah. forgot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like memory for, for musical figures is my job. So when I heard, I like heard the melody and I was like, oh, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but I would Playing say after. Playing heartstrings now. After the first episode, I'll just sum it up by saying I was, I was, kind of in this weird neutral zone, no pun intended, uh-huh. because um, got to sneak those puns in there somehow. Yeah, we got it. On one hand, I told you about how with the trailer and stuff, there was a lot of that kind of like, this isn't your grandparents, Star Trek. And we see a lot of punching Punch. and we know that Discovery is more actiony. So I, I, I felt like the first episode to some extent was an extension of the trailer as if they were still trying to sell us a new Star Trek. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have this mysterious girl character, which I, I told you, I was kind of worried they were going to do a Firefly thing where she was River. And she just like gets activated and starts doing like spin kicks. Like, yeah. yes, like generic badass sci-fi girl. Basically anything ScarJo has done in right. the last like, or like fifth element. five to 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Which I love Lilo. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of like, okay, we've seen that before. But I thought like, oh, if Brent Spiner really can't come back or Data can't come back, it might be cool in my little Star Trek fan list of things I didn't expect them to do. I was like, that'd be kind of cool if they got Lol back because then you could kind of do that dynamic. And I mm. thought they might even sneak her in. Like they just have to go to a star base or, you know, somewhere. And it's like, oh, she's there for like five minutes. And it's like, cool. Um, so it was weird. I know, I know the twins are not lol, obviously. Yeah. But when I mean, Picard was talking happened to, to them, lol? like what happened to her body? They did. They never say. Did he dismantle her? Did like, like what? I think it's to just like body? a non-issue. I don't know. She got recycled. I think Bruce um, Maddox got a hold of her. <laughs> they made shoes yeah. out of her <laughs> and donated them to people in need. Yeah, that's, but, that, um, that makes sense. That that but out. for a nanosecond there, when Picard was talking to her on the bench. Uh, and he's like, I think I know who you are. For a minute there, with especially all the dark hair, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, is it Lau? Like, no, they, they, they're not doing that. And they didn't do it, it's not Lau, but I feel like they took a nugget of that idea of Data's mm-hmm. daughter. But I told you I was gonna do a punch calculator. Or oh, did you? A pun- oh, I gave up. I mean, as you know, like the first episode <laughs> in the first five minutes, I'm like, well, fuck that. Because they come in, there's like a knife in the chest of her boyfriend. And there's just like punching and kicking. And it's, I was, so I was going with like five punches and in a matter of the first five minutes that just all went out the window. So totally. So I felt like once we got to the second episode, I felt more comfortable. I kind of felt like it was starting to enter something that I was a little more grounded with. Same. So I have a question for you as an artist. Ooh. What do you think about Data's makeup? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is my least favorite thing this to is talk a, about in like, this whole huge episode thing. like everyone's talking about data's makeup i know 
Okay, so last night I did go back to the first episode and looked at the data scenes. And then I went back to the trailer because I remember watching the first episode and thinking, that doesn't look as bad as I thought it did. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I went back to the trailer and holy shit, the trailer, he does look different. It's not just my imagination. So I, they definitely tweaked or fixed something. I don't know if that was a fan reaction thing because they're doing that. I mean, you see what they did with like Cats and Sonic the Hedgehog when people freaked out about the trailer. I also keep reading conflicting things about what tech was used on Brent Spiner. Uh, There is an article that has like a headline of de-aging convinced Brent Spiner to come back as data, but that doesn't necessarily mean they used it. I can't find any confirmation what, if anything, they did. I just find a lot of people guessing everything Mm -hmm. from CG tweaking, CGI tweaking to de-aging stuff which they're using i I mean not only in movies but now like netflix shows too so they can do it oh of course (laughs) you had to start with me first of all they fixed his hairline from the trailer it's still weird though it looks like i said it looks like morty from rick and morty it does his hair is like a brown shower cap where it just like like fits on perfectly and has a perfect circumference. And that's how the front of Data's wig looked like in the trailer. And it was appalling. Yeah. That's not what his hair looked like on the show. And also, before we get into it, really what we're doing is we're not comparing Data to his TNG days. We're comparing him to Nemesis, right? Isn't that really what we're trying to get? Yeah, because that's the last time we saw him. That's when he died. And that's, and they're very much acknowledging Nemesis in Picard. Because if you compare him to early 90s, late 80s, Brent Spiner, just no one's going to win that game. No. So I think he looks better in the vineyard scene than in 10 Forward. I think you're right. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a lighting thing or, or just like a different team, but his mouth is very small. It almost reminds me of Beaker from the Muppets. Like, yeah, I love Brent Spiner and I love Data. Like, he's arguably my favorite character. Yeah, and people so, age, and that's fine. Yes, yes. It's, like, Brent, how old is Brent Spiner? Like, like <laughs> yeah, like he's in his sixties, right? At least. Yeah. So it's it's like cool. You got older. Like, we still want you to play Data because you're Data. So like, whatever. You got older. It's fine. My thing was like his eyes were weird. They were so yellow. His, yeah. And I feel like Data's eyes were never that yellow. They are like Michael Jackson thriller yellow. Yeah. They're not, they're not the cat eye, but that intensity of the yellow. Yeah, and which I was I, like, I don't need to be thinking about that right now. I want to be thinking about Star Trek. Yeah. So in Nemesis, they are definitely more yellow. Like in the movies, they did steer him more towards that. Yeah. So I have to kind of be like, okay, they're not that icy yellow. Yeah. I think what it might be is the the size of the black pupil. It, I think it's the ratio. His pupils are smaller. Yeah. And yeah, and that makes a big difference. I do have to say, I have not rewatched Nemesis in years. I didn't watch it again before I watched the show. I watched a few choice episodes of TNG. I watched a few choice episodes of Voyager, but I didn't watch Nemesis. Maybe I should have, but also Nemesis is my least favorite TNG movie. And I really, I was like, I remember it kind of, it's fine. Like, I don't need to see that. I saw a few YouTube clips last night just to remind me what he looked like during that point. And here's the thing, Brent Spiner is older. Even though they can smooth things out and do CGI and maybe they did applying the de-aging effect, it still doesn't affect the subject, if that makes sense. Like, if you can't suspend your disbelief for Brent Spiner's face, then what are you doing watching science fiction anyway? Like, I, I had a little trouble. <laughs> I'm I mean, not going to lie. But like, I mean, of course, like, there are things that make us human, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, we should be able to just be like, I I am so grateful that he's back. I love him. We should be happy he's back. Yeah. (laughs) I do have a lot of respect that he is really only in the first episode so far. I really thought with the whole setup of the dream sequence that it was going to be like every single damn episode, we'd have some sort of data dream and they haven't done that. And, And I actually think that's pretty good. I thought they'd really kind of milk that for the fans. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that, but now that you say it, that would have been really annoying. I feel like it's like, man, we got a lot to talk about. We got to move forward. No, it's so much stuff. <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, so the Romulan makeup then, again, 
for you? Because like you're an artist. Like I look at this oh, stuff gosh. like just as a, a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Number one. I was like, I don't get it. Like, how come these Vulcans are so chill? And then I was like, oh, they're Romulans. And then I was like, what's up with the heads then? And like their hair is so like carefree. They have different hairstyles. Yeah, which oh my I God. love. Yay. And I don't know if it's like this in Discovery. And I can't remember if the movies kind of loosened up on this. And and honestly, there's a lot of the J.J. Abrams movies I've forgotten. But just as far as like TNG and the push of like the 90s era Star Trek, it's so nice to see the diversity within a species that naturally exists with humans. Fucking so, finally, right? Yeah. Why does everyone have the same haircut? Like, and we're used to seeing uh, characters in sort of like a military operation or something. And even, you know, mankind, like we have certain regulations. So that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the whole like Romulan forehead thing, I just couldn't remember if we had seen Romulans with or without the ridges. And you said they brought yeah. up the fact that it's like a, a, a Northerners thing. Or... Yeah, yeah. Like she says, like after uh, the Jadvash break into Chateau Picard and they all like pull out their disruptors yeah. and shoot them all, basically. <laughs> um, she, uh, I forget her name. I have the cast and crew, but she's not on it. Oh, I, no. I do know I like her. Uh, I oh, love no. her. Where she, she said something about their stubborn Northerners. And she smacks her partner in the head and he's got the ridges, but she doesn't. Oh, I missed that. I kind of loved that it was such a quick explanation because it wasn't like, we're going to go into the history of continents on Romulus. And I don't need to hear that. I just need to know why I thought these Romulans were Vulcans. And now I know. I do know that there was a mini, I think, three part comic book series where it goes more into... Yeah. Those Romulan housekeepers characters. I know it, it deals with some of their past. Um, and that might be be kind of further explained in there too. But uh, I mean, the look of it, obviously the production is beautiful. Um, I'm happy because the first episode, we actually got to see a city. Yeah. Um, we It's really quick when they're in Dodge's apartment. I think it's supposed to be Boston. But I was thinking like, there's got to be cool, you know, kind of metropolitan things and we don't really see that a lot so they gave us that his actual vineyard is beautiful the romulan planet where el el elroy what's his name elnor elrond is from lord of the rings i know i know i've been doing that he's Um, like people are calling him (laughs) from like the jetsons Jetsons. people are calling him space legolas yes I, I can see why. I also just very recently, the two days after the tornado, I watched all of the extended versions of Lord of the the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh my gosh! So I have them kind of like smushed together in my <laughs> brain a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, he totally is space Legolas. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, even though that kind of verged on a little bit of looking very fantasy esque, Elvin. That yes. the outfits are lovely. I love it when you do see all those Romulans. Um, when we're introduced to Elnor, that like some of them are those traditional Romulans, and then others feel much more like they're wearing u- utilitarian gear. It, it just feels like a lot of good world building. Yeah. If you if you look at the details and you look at what they're doing, it's really nice to see the variety within the species that they're they're giving you black Um, vulcans black romulans like give me some color like how come we had to wait until tuvok for a black vulcan (laughs) come on we can we can do it it's not hard you just cast people (laughs) i think maybe the movies did the like old star trek ones but yeah Yeah. it it was a while but everything from like skin color to curly hair i love the fact that you have more relationships where there's also like Rafi's son is obviously with expecting a baby of a Romulan and mm-hmm. um, there's just seems to be a, a lot of that sprinkled in. I mean, Dodge, the first episode, her boyfriend is some sort of amphibious alien, but it, there seems to be a lot more of that, that kind of real world sensibility of how people would form relationships. Yeah. And, 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 and the yeah. idea of the future of our galaxy being one in which people of all races and uh, species and backgrounds are able to love each other equally for whoever love whoever they want so it's I mean just showing that um, and not making a big deal of it just like having that be the norm is, yeah. is actually a huge step 
it's it's something that I've thought about a lot in Star Trek in general. Like, as you know, like as a mixed race person myself, like with parents who are in a mixed race marriage, it was something to see people of mixed race represented on my favorite show, Isa Briones in particular. She is actually half Filipino and half British. And I, when I found that out, I was like, oh, my God. Finally. <laughs> I was like, there's a half Filipino on Star Trek. Like, what? <laughs> Additionally, her parents also met when they were in the touring company of Miss Saigon, which is like a big deal in my childhood, too. So I was like, I feel so like represented in every way. Weren't you in Miss Saigon? I was in a local production. <laughs> I was. I was in a local production of Miss Saigon uh, like almost 10 years ago. I was Kim. But like that doesn't seem like it would be a big deal if you don't feel like you're underrepresented. But when you do feel underrepresented, seeing something like that is like a whoa, I had. I had no idea I was going to feel this way about it. It was really exciting. Like seeing her call her mom and her mom comes up and she's Filipino. Yeah. Like, like seeing her mom's face and being like, that feels like me calling my mom. Like it makes me want to cry. It's such a small thing, but it makes me want to cry right now because it's something I've never seen on TV before. So that was a big deal for me. Um, But then also like, again, going back to the, the interspecies relationships, and seeing more diversity within species, like Commodore O, that sh- that she's Asian. Yes, she's Vulcan, but she's Asian. You know, like seeing seeing that, it feels like a big yeah. deal for me. I think that's specifically stuff that this new era of Star Trek is really trying to do a great job at, without making it a big deal. Like they're just like, we're yeah, just gonna yeah. do it. And we're not gonna be like, look at us, we're doing it. They're just gonna make it happen. Is it? Yeah, Dodge's boyfriend too. Like, like cast a black actor as an alien, or don't just cast a black actor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love to see um, some non-binary characters. That would be really cool. But um, like so far, I don't think that's happened. To my knowledge, that hasn't happened. Um, but it probably will soon. Well, you, you know, you don't have to have a romantic storyline for that to be revealed. Yeah, yeah. It just but... has to be like you introduce somebody to someone and they're like, what's your pronoun? And they're like, they, them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's and then it's over. That, that person is just now non-binary. Also, I'm excited about the Picard cast being so diverse as well, with the exception of like everyone that's coming back. Most of them are. <laughs> I was going to say everyone is coming back, actually, is why. <laughs> But yeah, a lot of the new characters are are people of color. Like, what's her face? Uh, Rafi. Um, It's nice to see a woman of color with her natural hair out on a show about the future. But also, like, I'm interested in the fact that her character is so broken. Mm. I mean, it feels like they're they're trying to shine lights on things in our current times. It's nice to see something real like that. It's also like her character makes me so uncomfortable. Really? In what <laughs> like, way? Yeah, because she's so self-destructive. Ah, so you find out that not only did she kind of go down the rabbit hole and in her obsession with it, sort of lose her marriage and the relationship with her son, but you also find out on top of that, she alludes to the fact that she probably had some sort of drug, maybe alcohol abuse, yeah. which makes sense. But it did bring me back to... Um, something way back in Deep Space Nine, where they had Major Kira, who was a wonderfully complex, and we could say had her emotional baggage. And at one point, they were going to throw in a storyline where she was um, a drug addict, too, that she was addicted to stimulants because of her time in the resistance. Um, And they said, we don't know if we want to do that because, one, we have such a strong female character. We don't know if we really want to throw that baggage on her. It seems like a disservice. But then also they thought, oh, for the storyline, it would just be too complex. Why would they have this recovering addict in this position? You know, they, they couldn't figure out how to really write themselves out of it the next week. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of brought me back to that where I was like, is it enough that Rafi is just so broken because of her obsession with this issue? Or do we have to, on top of it, throw, oh, but she's also, I'm kind of torn because on one hand, you would expect that to happen as well. But I'm also like, geez, is it is it kind of overkill? I, I was thinking that my discomfort with the character was personal okay. because I've been in relationships with people who have had pretty serious 
addiction to all kinds of of drugs and people who have been in situations in which they've sort of because they weren't able to get the help they needed they sort of blamed everything around them for for the problems that they were having it was so hard to help them in any way because like honestly that like as a friend there's really not much you can do other than be supportive it, it brought me back to some some memories that I have of experiences that I've had with people that were um, really painful. And I was like, oh, my God, like that person reminds me of this person or, you know, you know, I was just like, ah. Um, and then I, I watched um, episode two uh, with one of my best friends and she said the same thing. She was oh. like, oh, my God, that's just like this this friend that I have. And I was like, Yee, yep. I mean, like a lot of us have been there in that position. So it was interesting because it elicited this intense response, which is maybe what they were going for. I think it's important for shows to make you feel feelings. So there was that. I was just like, wow, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Like when she's just so mad at him when he comes to see her and she's just like, all of this is your fault. And it's yeah. Yeah. Like she she sort of like puts all of the responsibility for the destruction of her career on his shoulders that's yeah but i mean yeah like he he was in a privileged position to be able to be like it's my way or the highway and then they choose the highway and then he's like oh his ego was so inflated at that point that he thought he was safe you know but he also didn't think about the other people that that would affect so there is that aspect of it but at the same time she's she's been wallowing in it for so long and not seeking out help for her addiction and it's obvious that she's been like thinking about that. It's all his fault for all of these years. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. That's like a, that's a angle at it. I didn't really think about. It's interesting because, you know, they kind of also have this story of Elnor where he also has sort of a passive Picard where Picard, once again, when shit hits the fan, he sort of just pulls out and removes himself from that relationship with Elnor the way he does Rafi. And I think one of the things we're seeing is Picard, even in TNG days, tends to think that it's his duty almost to keep a distance from people. The I was yeah. re-watching uh, the episode where Vash comes back. It's her second episode. And she's on the ship and Gosh. she's introducing herself to all these people because they, she and the Picard mm-hmm. left, the Picard, uh, <laughs> met on Ryza. And she realizes that he has mentioned her to no one. And she confronts yeah. him as like, oh my Why god, this is you... the Q one with the Robin Hood it thing, is. right? Yes, it's Cupid. It's oh the god. one where, yeah. So it's a really cute episode, but it, she does sort of confront him about like, you didn't tell anyone about me. Why not? Yeah. And I think to him, he's completely oblivious to the fact that that could hurt her. And I think yeah. it's the same thing with Rafi and Elnor. He feels like to protect people, he needs to step back, not realizing that you know, those relationships are still important to those people and some sort of healing can happen. It's almost like by association, if he's still with these people, he's going to cause damage, but not realizing that's not necessarily the case. So yeah, there's a lot of resentment with both of them in different contexts too. Yeah. It's, it's almost like he's like finally actually like seeing the repercussions of that behavior after so long. Mm -hmm. And this is not giving anything away. I think he's going to have to like deal with that also with his relationship with this baby synth. Mm. Like he's going to have to be vulnerable with her in order to get anything done because she is so vulnerable and because she needs so much help. You know what I mean? I'm interested to see where that goes. This was also one of my concerns with the trailer was that Picard was just going to be like very downtrodden like oh and then I can't well not even that it was just sort of it was so nice I know a lot of people thought this scene was cheesy but I very much welcomed the flashback to him and kid Elnor just playing I loved it like we got we got sword action we got fencing we got Picard actually it felt like years later we saw a part of Picard that he had evolved which was of course the fact that in the very beginning of TNG, they kind of started this thing where he doesn't like kids and they softened up on it and kind of just tinkered with it. But now it was such a sweet, I just wanted him to be my space grandpa. Like, can I know (laughs) I felt the same way. Cause like, also if you think about it, 
Because, like, you know, we just talked about Rascals yes. in the last episode. Um, but, like, also, uh, I can't remember what the name of the episode is. There, that one where he gets stuck in the turbulence. It is Disasters, and it is yeah. actually one of my favorite episodes. But it's, like, they made this big deal about how he doesn't like kids. And then every time he has to have interactions with children, he's so kind and, like, loving and sweet and caring. And it's, like, I don't get that he doesn't like kids. I get that he doesn't want them on the bridge. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it was something like, in early TNG. They were like, oh, he doesn't like kids. But then they softened yeah. it up to just he doesn't really know how to. Which before I had my son, I was completely one of those people. I It's like, you're a small mm. human. I don't know exactly how to interact with you. Oh, my God. And, I see a kid and I'm like, let's hang out. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I also don't. It's, it's, yeah. So I think, I mean, I was also, a, I was a preschool teacher for three this years. Is too, so it was like, yeah. And so it was just, it was nice to see him just so comfortable with Elnor. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed and also it. Patrick Stewart's so cute. Yeah. So it was just nice cute. to see him smiley and happy after like three mm-hmm. episodes of Sad Picard. Yeah. 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 Of like watching someone explode on some stairs, you know, like. <laughs> Which, hey, which has its merits too. Um, right. Yeah, I was going to say of Elnor, I thought you you called him Space Legolas earlier. I definitely from the yeah. trailer called him like AKA Sword Guy, AKA Space Elf. I thought <laughs> he was from the trailer. I thought he was going to be that character who was very stoic and didn't say much, but whenever he did, it was going to be wise. Um, maybe right. kind of like a Guinan S character. I was pleasantly surprised to see that he was such a green character in some cases, but he's just a baby. Yeah, but heavily trained to slice your head off. Um, I appreciate the fact that he's so young. I yes. think that could give him some fun dynamics to play with when they're um, putting on their disguises, <laughs> and he's just like so excited about the disguise, and like it has to be explained to him, like what what they're even doing. It's just I I thought it was adorable. Dan was like. Oh, and I was like, come on. Yeah, some people are going to find him annoying, but I I kind of welcomed it because, again, I just thought he was going to be kind of a one note character. Totally. I do want to because I want to talk about Seven. Okay. And I want to talk about Hugh. So these two characters were uh, created in the 90s on two different shows. All three of the characters that are back are ex-Borg. When I heard about that, first of all, I was like, the Borg all-stars are back. (laughs) Okay, here's the pattern. Right. Um, this might have something to do with the plot. <laughs> this might have something to do with the Borg. <laughs> we might be talking about the Borg. I was like, oh, hell yeah. I, I want to say really quick that iBorg is one of my favorite episodes of TNG. Same here. It makes me cry every time I watch it because Hugh is so just lovely Jonathan Del Arco is such a compelling actor like you just kind of like fall in love with him and just like want to hold his hand you know the way that he plays Hugh and I feel like he really kept Hugh as Hugh you know what I mean like this is a transition for him that completely makes sense to me as far as his character goes I look forward to seeing more of him because I feel like he's only had one big scene yeah which, and I cried immediately I was like it's Hugh which I don't know about you let's talk about the contrast of how Seven is introduced to the show versus yeah. Hugh because Jerry Ryan gets beamed on the ship and she's like, it's seven motherfuckers. And and yeah. everyone, like, that's how the episode ends. And it's a big cliffhanger. They, when they introduced- I wish they hadn't put her name in the opening credits. Like, I wish I hadn't known that she was going to be in that episode because I was waiting for her the whole time. I actually I was like, I, sh- I wish it. it was like a real surprise. I, I shouldn't have watched. I, I shouldn't have watched the opening credits. If they were smart, they would have had her in the end credits. I know shows that have done that. Um, but yeah. Hugh, Hugh, when he shows up, I love how they just click over to his office on the board cube as if he's like having lunch and playing Minesweeper. Um, yeah. like it's just, it's very <laughs> not dynamic. It's just like, if you didn't know that was Hugh from the show, if you're a newer fan or just didn't know he was in it, it just, he just seems like another character. And I actually had to rewind because it took me by surprise. I was like, holy shit, it's you. Oh, so yeah. I had to rewind again because I wanted to get that first impression. But they just kind of like, here he is. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, I think I screamed probably, or I was just like, <gasps> and 
definitely had a like well of, of emotion but like you're totally right it wasn't like a and draw the curtain yeah and here's Hugh it was it was just like here's the guy that's also ex-borg that is like in charge of this he's not Romulan like here here's like here's the new character but it's it's he's answering his email in this very yeah <laughs> oh my god but it's kind of nice so though because you're right Dan isn't like a big Star Trek fan and that introduction of Hugh wouldn't necessarily um, distract from the pacing of the show. It's kind of like mm-hmm. in big Marvel movies and stuff when it's like, well, this character, we're going to introduce them and you know they're a thing for people who know yeah. the show or the comics. And you're like, I guess yeah. I'm supposed to know who that is. And it kind of takes you out of it. Um, yeah. So the fact that they kind of just put all that new stuff in there, but don't pause the show every goddamn time, every time like an egg is introduced, you know? Yeah, like they don't need to make a big deal about yeah. it. Yeah. I love Hugh's makeup. Yes. Like after the the um, implants have been removed, I think it's great. Seven, at first I was like, her language is so casual now and the way she holds herself is so much more casual now. And I was like, not sure how to feel yet and then I saw an interview with Jerry Ryan and she said that she was like freaking out about how to do seven again um and she couldn't find her motivation like she couldn't figure it out and she actually hung out with Jonathan Del Arco and he was like your motivation is you've had to survive so like maybe in order to survive seven had to assimilate to human culture yeah i think i read the same article too yeah i was like dang that completely <laughs> makes sense because you know she, here she is coming into a human society in which borg are hated like with a fervor and having to figure out how to navigate that like a lot of uh um oppressed groups of people have that same thing that they have to do that every day you know, in, in our society now. So it's, it's interesting to see that depicted in this way. She basically had to like super duper code switch like crazy and change the way that she communicated in order to be accepted. Yeah. Cause you even, any way. you recently explained to me what code switch is, which I understood the yeah. idea, but I never had heard it referred to that. I was, I was really, really uh, into that when I heard about it. So I'm like, props great job with that whole thing um and then i wanted to talk about each of oh lauren sad, sad face from larissa <laughs> i like i might cry right now oh no when when i saw his nose shape i was like oh no i was like oh no oh no did you have the same reaction of me where you're watching it and you were like wait is that each that might be each and then part of you is saying oh shit that, that's each no my reaction was I saw his nose. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that Ichab? And I started crying like right away. And then I realized that this woman was looking for his cortical node. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. He doesn't have one because he gave it to Seven. Do you remember that? I do. I just saw it recently. Where Seven's cortical node is failing and he like forces her to take it from him because he knows that he can recover and not need it. But she she will die without it. And that little detail for someone that knows Voyager really well was just like so fucking heartbreaking. Like that they were just prying open his face to find this thing that wasn't there because he had donated it to her to save her life. And then she has to like put him out of, oh my God. So far of everything through through this episode, this was the moment that I was like inconsolable. I was just... <laughs> Like <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Because these people, these are just characters that don't exist. You know what I mean? But Seven, Seven's arc in Voyager too, like Icheb was so important to her growth as a character. That was that was some really good deep dive. I mean, Icheb's only in like what the last two seasons of Voyager? Uh, something like that. I so think. So it's like. Ooh. This is this is each up is kind of when you think about it a deep dive. I was gonna say it's kind of a deep cut. Yeah, no, yeah. no pun intended. Oh, I should have used another oh, term. Oh no, deep cut. Well, I okay, so I was in shock. I'm a monster. I didn't cry. 
Um, but you're not I, a monster. I am just an this, overly no, emotional hey, person. Many people were very emotional over this death. But here's the thing: that episode, that's episode number five. <laughs> it is bookended by two major deaths. We have Echeb's death in the beginning, and then you have Maddox who dies at the very end, yeah. and then in the middle you have Goofy costumes. Yeah, that um, <laughs> episode was a fucking roller coaster. I love that episode. I, it just <laughs> I was I was like weeping at the beginning. I'm giggling in the middle. <sighs> like I'm horrified again. Then with. Maddox's death and I'm just which like, is not uh, as terrifying but still very disturbing yeah I mean the the manner of his death is very yes. disturbing um also again not the same actor as as on TNG which um, you know what I had to do oh yeah that's right Maddox but, isn't um yeah 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 I guess that that guy didn't really do much acting after TNG um but yeah. but with the guy I forget who plays Ichib, I knew um, a couple days ago. But of course I had to check out his Twitter because I knew a lot of people were just going to assume. So sure enough, like yeah. that actor's Twitter. Oh my god, you went and found his Twitter. I did because I thought like his Twitter's blowing up right now. He's probably at home like having a sandwich in his lounge pants, and people are blowing him up about Ichib's death. And oh my god, he wasn't really responding to anyone at first, except there were a couple tweets where he was like, "That's not me." <laughs> <laughs> so I love just how he's like guys it's cool like I, thank you but it's not that big of a deal to me um and meanwhile everyone's losing their shit over it um dude yeah I mean I thought that kid was great on Voyager I thought I mean he was a kid at the time he's not a kid anymore but like I thought I thought uh the the actor that played Icheb on Voyager was lovely yeah so the, I mean there are so many characters so many characters on this show um but i kind of wanted to <laughs> ask you how you felt about um what's his sister's name Narek and his Narek's sister and Narek's <laughs> sister um and their weird ass relationship okay well first of all i'm just glad when i text you earlier to ask i thought it was just me i thought surely i've seen too much game of thrones no. sibling incest and it's i'm a creep and i'm just picking up on a weird vibe but yeah they they have i don't know what it is but they have like this weird sexual tension that's super creepy and i mm. think part of it is because they're talking like this because this is how evil sneaky people but talk. also they're getting really and, close to each other's faces yes, and and they're exactly. like like touching each other's faces in like yes. sexual ways and like it's really it's very so uh my friend jasmine said it's kind of like uh rob Lowe and uh what's her what's her name from in tommy Bo boy Derek. and Bo Derek and tommy boy <laughs> how they're actually a couple but they're pretending to be mother and son and it's so disgusting um, yes. And I was thinking it's also very much like um, Cruel Intentions, like Sarah oh, Michelle Gellar yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ryan Phillippe and in Cruel Intentions. Because um, they're just they're just like step siblings. They're step siblings. Marriage. Yeah. Okay. But they're I mean, it's just like so creepy. Like, why? What is this trope that like like baddies want to have sex with their siblings? Like, I, I don't under, like, it's, it's this idea that like being sexual is, is evil, you know, like that being overtly sexual is, is a, is an evil thing. And it's like, I hate it. I hate it. Like, this is my least favorite part of this show. I think it's gross and I want it to stop. I think it's awful. The thing is like, do you think it's intentional? Cause I don't, I, I at least don't feel like it's intentional. I feel like they're trying to, again, sound more sneaky evil and like slick and unfortunately yeah. that can also come off as sexual and I, but the thing is i'm thinking did anyone catch catch this when they're filming or looking at it right i almost feel like there's that scene where and this is also creepy because he's sleeping and Ew. she's she's in bed with him when he wakes up and she starts to choke him Ew. and i almost feel like that was their way of saying hey they're coming off as really weird well, let's have her choke him. And then that shows that, no, she really doesn't like him. This is, this is them being evil. But instead I'm like, nope, you're not convincing me. It's just some kinky shit that they're into. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't like, I don't know any siblings that, 
you know, like in real life, like what was it like? It was like Angelina Jolie and her brother or something, oh, yeah. you know, in the nineties. Like the blood in the vials. Oh wait, no, no, she had the. Bl- that she was and, Billy, Bob, uh, Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton had the blood, but like she was like yeah. really, really extra, like snuggly with her brother at some point for yeah. some reason, and it was a thing. But like that's the I, only like comparison I can think of. But it's still like I don't like what, no no like no like no ew I hate it. <laughs> I um yeah I I think you know in the beginning when they first have her on the board cube and they're trying to do that like sibling they're trying to she's trying to like poke the bear she's she's trying to be an annoying sibling but because again she's talking like this and she does that thing where she gets really close to his ear to to say something that is supposed to annoy him but instead it's like she has the pursed lips and it's like way too close to his cheek and face and again it just comes off as as sexual, it, it would almost make more sense if they were ex lovers or if they yeah. were like, like they were somehow more peers that had to work together but don't like each other. Yeah. But that would make more sense in them actually being siblings. So I don't know if that's going to go somewhere. Do you have a brother? I do. I have an older brother and we do not act like okay. that. <laughs> I don't have, I have a sister. Definitely have not ever talk to her that close to her head like right I've never whispered in her ear that way I've never like I mean I've climbed into bed with my sister before but like I'm scared or like I need a I need a hug or like you know that kind of stuff not like I'm gonna choke you sexually yeah I it just doesn't feel like siblings it's really <laughs> odd. And so I think in their quest to make them sneaky Romulans, that vibe, that sibling vibe between them has been somewhat compromised. Um, I'm glad to see, though, there's there's only like one other article I've read since episode one, and that person also picked up on it, too. So I'm glad it's just not me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not just you. It's It's disgusting to everyone. <laughs> Speaking uh, of relationships, <laughs> what do you think of Narek and... Soji and basically the question is do they have chemistry I uh, I don't feel like they have chemistry but I also can't tell if if that's just because I don't find Narek attractive at all like I I'm like I'm creeped out by him because of his relationship with his sister um I don't trust him uh and I'm like I'm like I'm like, you're in danger, girl. You know, like like the whole time, I'm just like, don't, oh, oh, sweetheart. Oh, like, I wish I could protect you from this guy because he's bad. I don't know. I mean, some people think he's he's really compelling. So it's it's hard to know. It's, it's all like, you know, uh, a matter of perspective. So- I don't know. Because I love a good bad character, if that makes sense. Like, I, I love a Jamie Lannister or, um, oh, God, what was his brother? Tyrion? No. God. See, I'm already forgetting the Game of Thrones names. Yeah, but... see, I don't know. I have not seen Game of Thrones. <sighs> but, like, I, those, I find those characters intriguing where they're not, you know, they're, it's not a black or white thing. Um, yeah. And I'm not getting that from Narek. Him, unfortunately, I don't find him that interesting right now. I hate to say it, I also don't find Soji very interesting. And so yeah. their dynamic together equals more in, uninteresting for me. I think yeah. Soji just feels like a plot point rather than a character right now. And yeah. I couldn't tell you what she's about, really. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's on purpose. Um, I just feel bad because I feel like she, 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 we should, we're invested in the mystery of her, but I'm not really invested in her, if that makes sense. Like, I know that they're played by the same actor, but I was definitely way more interested in Dodge. Yeah, Dodge, I felt. Is that weird? <laughs> I was I was like, because <laughs> they're the same. They're twins, and they're also played by the same actor. But She um, did more punching. Maybe that's and what it is. Maybe it's the punching. Maybe it's <laughs> the punching. No, but I also felt like she and uh, the guy that played her boyfriend at the beginning of the first episode – I felt like they had a lot of chemistry. Yeah, I think the the issue for me is I 
I can't tell you what Soji or Narek are about individually that much. So as a couple, I, it's kind of the same thing. Episode five, I really liked. And what made me sad is one of the things I did realize about that episode is we never spent any time on the board cube. Yeah. Which made me realize how much more invested I am in what's going off the, the board cube. Besides just the fun, like, there's Hugh kind of moments. Yeah, or like, yeah. oh, isn't that a cool Borg image they have? But yeah. yeah, it's like she has that conversation, for instance, with the Romulan kind of, I, I don't know if she's supposed to be like a mystic. She's the one with the tarot cards. And oh, yeah. she goes ballistic. And she's so Soji goes back to her room and she's obviously very distraught. And then Narek is just there, which to me was like, wow, it's more disturbing than. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, if, a, I, if a guy I had just started dating was just like in my apartment right? without m me knowing that he was there, like I would I would be creeped out by that. And I'd be like and, maybe we should rethink this. And here's the thing. Like if Narek just said, look, I'm going to start sleeping with her and she's going to just eventually start talking to me and, and trust me, like, cool, that's a plan. But he says during that she's that conversation, she's obviously so distraught. And he's like, I think I'm falling in love with you. And I remember literally thinking, why? How? Like, there's <laughs> nothing. I've seen nothing in your guys' relationship besides some casual pillow talk and just like some acknowledgement that you find the other one hot. It almost makes you feel like a scene got deleted or something. Like where you talk about like your favorite ice cream flavors and like <laughs> you like hold hands and, and like go for a walk. Like there was that one part where they're sliding around their, in their socks. Which came after the whole, I think I'm falling in love with you. Which So on Narek's part, I'm like, it, first of all, that's weird timing. That felt but, like that sh That was totally weird timing. I was like, no, no. no, 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 no yeah. No, 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 no. Like so, that would make me malfunction as a human woman, but she's also a baby, you know, like she's supposed to be really, really young. Like she's potentially supposed to be like just a few years old. Which is but fine. Like I understand the concept that he's trying to seduce her and get yeah. her guard down and it's like, cool, but I'm just not seeing the seduction. I'm not part. feeling the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So Narek has like a weird relationship with both his sister and Soji and yeah. Okay, we'll Honest, see. Yeah, honestly, he has more chemistry <laughs> with his sister than he does right? with Soji. Ew. Do you have any feelings about the synth attack and this, like, army of synths? I do. One, kind of going back to a little bit of just, like, the look of the show. If you have a bunch of fans who love Data, who's an android, mm -hmm. you, you know, you have to basically convince the viewer that this type of synth or android is is very unsettling um because we've spent years getting to know data and emh and right. we need to put ourselves in the mindset that this isn't those things in that we understand that these synths aren't quite what we've known you and i were just talking about how when they made these synths obviously they're just like a different or a different animal than than all of that right they're not sungian Yes, Androids. they don't have that sophistication. They don't have that warmth. Um, right. If you notice, the actor who plays him never blinks. Um, just like little things like that. I make... did not notice yes. that. Yes, there's nice little things, job. which was like a tactic they've used from everything from Terminator to other sci-fi things. But there's little yeah. things they do to kind of give us that distance. I love it in the conversation when that one human is just trying to talk to the synth and be like, did you get in trouble? And he's like, hell yeah. You know, like you can tell he's kind of programmed to talk, talk like a human, but right. not quite. Um, right. So it's, it's unsettling. And you think I would, I wouldn't, I would, I would love to be in a room with data, but I don't want to be in a room with that. The, I have a question though for you. Cause the one thing yeah. that really struck me from that scene, I call it my annoying Star Trek fan question. It's one of those observations that I feel like if you're a fan, it would pop out is that uh, synth in that scene starts to be compromised or we're not quite sure yet. We don't have the answers. So he's doing his thing and then he grabs what looks like to be a tool and starts shooting the human employees, right? Right. And then he shoots himself. And that to me was very weird because there's only like two reasons I think he could do that. And they don't make sense for an Android. One is you probably would shoot yourself if you think you're about to be compromised or caught by right. the enemy. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing is literally going to blow up in like five seconds. So he wouldn't have to worry about that. And then the other reason why he'd want to kill himself is just maybe the anxiety 
of, well, I'm about to die, so I'd rather just get it over with. But as a synth, he wouldn't have that reaction. Right. So that, to me, just struck out as something they did for drama. Yes, um, yes, I 100% agree with that. But then I thought, well, maybe they didn't. Now, this is me thinking maybe that's a clue that something else is going on. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't for that reason, that means it was just done for drama. So I'm just wondering if that's a piece of the puzzle for later on. Hilariously, I thought you were going to say, shouldn't there be some sort of safety lock on that (laughs) tool? And how come someone can just start killing people with it? Like, it's just basically like having a, a phaser set on kill you know what I'm saying? I was, I was oh, like, I see what you're me. saying. I see what you're saying. I was like, you guys, where's the legislation? <laughs> <laughs> These tools are unsafe. <laughs> yeah. That a lot of that stuff definitely struck me strange, but um, I mean, I did appreciate certain things about that scene. Like everyone having like very normal kind of workplace conversations um, that you're kind of seeing it's it's kind of like lower decks but like lower 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 lowest <laughs> deck you know but it's hard to really piece together anything from that scene the thing that I am appreciating about the show is that the writers are really uh, paying attention to the fact that the fandom is intense And they are going to watch the shit out of this and spend so much time deconstructing every detail. They've also watched all the other series a million times and they know everything that happened. So if you haven't done that, if you're not up to date like the fans are, then we're going to we're going to feel it. So like they've done their research. You know what I'm saying? Like like putting each in that episode. I was like, you get some credit for from me for doing that, for doing like your due diligence by researching the shit out of seven and her history, you, you, you got each from that and you gave it, gave him back to us, you know, and then took him away again, but, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. And then you killed him. But the whole idea of, of none of that meaning anything, like that's not possible. Like they're gonna, that's going to come back. I hope so. I you know I, like they, I feel like they have to. I'm not one for predictions or anything like that, but I do hope in six episodes, six to 10, that that was like a little bit of a hint to something about the sins yeah. in the future. I was going to ask if you have any uh, predictions or things you want to throw out for episode six to 10, but you have already jumped ahead, my dear. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything at all, except um, also my last thing, that I'll say, which is I'm excited about all the emergency holograms. Um, I think Rios is really hot. Um, also an alcoholic, man, everyone's an alcoholic. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's all. And my closing <laughs> thoughts are just, um, I love all the outfits in episode five. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a very TNG holodeck episode to do yeah didn't didn't jonathan frakes direct that he did he did the one before too um so cute but i it really that was another fun um patrick stewart just gets to be what does he say appropriately sinister um and i just kind of wish that he was that photo you sent me where you dress as a lobster for halloween in the bathtub oh my god where he's in the bathtub i kind of wish he was just a giant lobster and he could still have the eye patch and the accent but um, oh my god! I was all for it. Like I don't care what goofy excuse you have for them wearing the costumes. It it felt felt good. Let, let's, it did feel. Let's it, violently it kill like... Ichib, and then let's uh, put put a pimp costume <laughs> on the pilot. Sure. <laughs> that moment when Patrick Stewart like is being silly in the costume, like you can just tell that like he and Frakes are just giggling at each other from across the camera, and it just like felt so nice in my heart. I was like, give me that TNG love. And then, and then we have Jerry Ryan busting through double fisting blasters and boo, 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 boo. it's just like, it's, it's a very topsy turvy episode. I know. I also like, was like, okay, I get it. Like, like from what she learned from Janeway, she totally would have gone, gone down there and gotten rid of that right? woman. I love it. She just like blast that woman. Like, good. Yeah. I mean, she killed her son. Yeah. <laughs> go get her <laughs> okay well uh 
I feel like that kind of wraps it. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I mean, there was so much that, that went on uh, between episodes one and and five. I guess, like, find us on the internet. Let us know what you thought. It's always fun to, like, you know, know what people think. If you disagreed with us at any point, if you are totally on board with the fact that Narek and his sister are hot for each other, like let us know i was gonna say that's what i really want to find out is just if other people are picking up on the the game of thrones sibling incest vibe yeah. of of Narek and his sister yeah yeah answer that question for us please let us know if you are grossed out or if you think this makes sense do you choke <laughs> your sibling understand. in bed after creepily uh waking them up tell us let us know yeah, yeah, let us know. Or let us know if you've never even thought of doing that in your entire life. It's cool either way. It's not really cool either way. Please never do this to your siblings. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, we'll be back, you know, in the future with another episode like this where we talk about Picard episodes 6 through 10. Well, stay stay healthy, you guys. Yes. Social distancing. And if you can, uh, send some toilet paper to somebody who might need it. Cool. See you next time. Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show. On Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. I'm still wearing pajamas. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> Uh, it's okay.